Well, Grace Covenant family, it's so good to be together, even if we can't be together in person on this Resurrection Sunday. I'm so glad that we are worshiping together in our homes, connected through technology. What a blessing. What a blessing. I'm grateful for the opportunity to even gather like this. I long for the day when we get to gather together again and uh, have the Lord's table together. It's going to be a wonderful time. I can't wait. I'm sure that you're in the same boat. Our text from 1 Corinthians 15 deals with the gospel, and that's really the message of Resurrection Sunday. I've entitled the sermon today, though, Good News for a Change. Good News for a Change. Every news channel, if you're like me, that you look at looks like they're one headline away from cutting to the reporter and announcing the end of humanity as we know it. I bet they already have the graphics package loaded and ready to drop in the stream. Uh, You may have noticed on YouTube, John Krasinski, the writer, actor, director, producer, he probably has other credits, uh, dad, I I believe, and and husband. Uh, John Krasinski has launched the Some Good News uh, episodes that he's done on YouTube, and they're, they're, they're lovely. He's gotten stories from all across the country. He's uh, building the show, knit together with what people send to him. He asks the question, send me stories that have made you feel good this week or the things that just make you smile. And it's cute. It's, uh, it's making people feel good. It's, it's a good thing. It's, uh, it's good news for a distraction, uh, for a moment, for a temporary moment. But when Paul here talks about uh, the gospel that he's preaching, the gospel means good news, good spell, uh, that gospel that he's preaching to you, that you received, he's talking about a gospel that he says, and by which you are being saved. Well, that sounds quite different from the momentary distraction. We're, We're not talking about a nice distraction from bad things when we talk about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about a nice add-on to your already pleasant life or a key to make your life better and help all your dreams come true. We can become so accustomed to a word that it actually loses its meaning. Has that ever happened? Awesome, right? We say everything is awesome. That was a song from the Lego movie, I believe, that used that. Uh, Everything is awesome, uh, no, everything's not awesome. Uh, oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, thank you. Oh, this is wonderful. Is it wonderful? Come on. Lo- words can lose their meaning. The word gospel, uh, we use to describe gospel singing and gospel preaching and, and uh, whoo, that's the gospel. Well, what does that mean? What does the word mean? The Greek word euangelion is used 76 times in the New Testament and gospel translates the Old Testament words beser and the noun basora. All of these words mean good news, but not just, hey, um, that's nice, isn't it? (laughs) No, all of these words mean deep, really meaningful, earth-changing good news. It's like news of victory delivered to a general who was convinced that his troops were headed for certain defeat and annihilation. It's like news of emancipation to a poor family who was convinced that they would only know slavery and bondage for all of their lives and subsequent generations. It's like news of a complete turnaround for somebody laying on their deathbed with a family gathered 
by them. It's like news of clemency and pardon to a man, uh, a prisoner, turning the last corner, seeing his executioner with the instruments of justice in his hand. This is good news the Bible talks about that refreshes the bones, Proverbs says, and gives water to a thirsty soul. The Apostle Paul right here in 1 Corinthians 15 has taken a break. He's been dealing with quite a bit of issues in the church. Lord willing, at some point in the not-too-distant future, we at Grace Covenant will do a study and spend some time in 1 Corinthians. But suffice to say, he's dealt with adultery and incest and divisions in the church and legalism and abuse of spiritual gifts and food to idols and apostasy and apostles' authority being questions and lawsuits against believers and marriage fidelity and neglect or favoritism of certain people in the church and idolatry and abuse of the Lord's Supper, lack of unity, uh, disorderly worship, lots of stuff going on. Can I just tell you, we today, you, I, we have a lot of stuff going on. On. The world is on pause in some degree right now. It's like we're on lockdown, uh, many of us. But the gospel is not on lockdown. The kingdom of God is not paused. And the ch- work of the church is not paused. But in the midst of all of this going on, we have to be reminded uh, that we've got to come back to the foundation. In all these things, Paul takes a moment to call everyone back to the main thing, the foundation of all of our hope. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ, and it's a living hope. It's a substantive hope, Hebrews would tell us, because he lives. Paul begins to remind them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's remind ourselves, when we refer to this as Easter, it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not other things, not pageantry, not what the world would put in the way of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, not what even American tradition would say churches ought to be doing this time of year. Don't get me started, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to put anything in front of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, this Easter That's one of the reasons your pastor calls it Resurrection Sunday. This is a matter of salvation, Paul says, by which you are being saved. Paul reminds us first and foremost, here's your first point, that Jesus Christ is the main person of the gospel. He's the main focus of the gospel. He's the main purpose, main person rather, of the gospel. Not you, not me. Jesus is the main attraction of the gospel. It's not a formula for a thing to get you to a place. It is all about Jesus. He's not a what, he's a whom. Hebrews 1 tells us long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed to be heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe with the word of his power. This is Jesus Christ. Great indeed, Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, is the mystery of godliness. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. 
Romans reminds us that God's will is to glorify Jesus by making Him the conscious focus of all saving faith. To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among the nations. I'm not here to present to you an ideology or a way of life. I'm presenting to you the person of Jesus Christ, the King of glory. This is His name. Jesus came at the right time, the Bible teaches us. In Galatians 4, the Bible says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons in the fullness of time. Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. He came at the right time. He came for the right reason. Hebrews 1, rather Matthew 1, sorry, tells us that she will bear a son, will call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Boy, what a reason. And that took place to fulfill what was prophesied in Isaiah, that the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, which they shall call Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came at the right time. He came for the right reason. And he died for a needy people. That's the human race. Isaiah 53 lumps all of us together and says he was pierced for our transgressions. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, if you have time today, brother or sister, I don't have time to read it all to you now, but go pick up your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 53 and read, read about this Savior that came. But even though the Bible says he made his grave with the wicked in verse uh, 10 there, when he made his grave with the wicked, sorry, Isaiah 53, 9, with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, the grave couldn't hold him. Hallelujah. Since Jesus is the person of the gospel, I would put forth to you that the resurrection is the demonstration of the power of the gospel. So in the text here, Paul is reminding us in 1 Corinthians 15, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. We covered that. He was, in accordance with the Scriptures, buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at this writing, though some have fallen asleep. Paul is saying we serve a resurrected Jesus and it was all foretold of in the scripture. The resurrection of Jesus was foretold of, the Bible tells us, in the Old Testament. Now according to Acts 2, David was speaking of the resurrection of Jesus in Psalm 1610. You love that, right? When he said, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Isaiah 53, if we pick up some more of that passage, it says it was the will of God to crush him and to put him to grief. Listen, when his soul makes an offering for gift, 
uh, for guilt, verse 10, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Hosea 6.2 tells us about the third day resurrection coming in the New Testament. It was prophesied, it was told of in the scripture, it was told of by Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 16. Jesus said he began to show his disciples as they went from Jerusalem that he would suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ was preached by the apostles in Acts 4 with great power. The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. It was documented in Acts 1. He presented himself alive after his suffering. Many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, outside of verse 11, in verse 17, the Bible says the resurrection of Jesus Christ was absolutely necessary. Listen to the word of God. It says, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Brother or sister, Christ is raised. Your faith isn't futile if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you are not in your sins Behold, he is making all things new. Why does it matter? I've been to the top two sites in Israel. My wife and I made a trek with 50 some other uh, people that we knew a few years ago to the Holy Land. We've toured some of the sites. We've been to a couple of sites that archaeologists hold to as the site of the tomb of Jesus Christ. I've got news for you. Whether it's one or the other or even the third lesser reported, all three were empty. (laughs) It matters it matters, folks. When Jesus rose from the dead, God's power was demonstrated. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that the immeasurable greatness of his power was worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus' sonship was declared. The Bible says in Romans 1, and it was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus' lordship was heralded through the resurrection. Romans 14, For to this end Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. He is Lord of all. Death's power is destroyed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1, Jesus says, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. No wonder Paul said in the midst of all that was going on, hey, Stop the press. Hold the phone. Let's back up here. Time out. Flag on the play. Let's remember the main thing. Verse 1, I am preaching good news, not temporary interruption. I'm preaching good news to you. I'm preaching good news to you from the Lord. I'm preaching good news to you from the Lord that's about Jesus. I'm preaching good news to you from the Lord about Jesus that's for his glory. And then verse 11, he says, and you need to believe this gospel. Because of the resurrection, our salvation has a miraculous foundation. Oh, brother or sister, Romans 4 tells us he delivered up for our trespasses and raised, he was raised for our justification. 
Because of the resurrection, we have the power to live for God. We can walk in the newness of life because he lives, according to Romans 6. The resurrected King Jesus intercedes for us, according to Romans 8. Because of the resurrection, we have assurance of resurrection and eternal life. 1 Corinthians 6, and God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. Oh, this is not about what American culture says Easter is about. This is not about any of that. It's about the resurrected Jesus Christ. It's about the glorious gospel. I'm trying to bring to you what's of the most importance on this important day. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but once a year we set aside this day to, re- to recognize it as Resurrection Sunday. Jesus Christ is the main person of the gospel. Christ's resurrection, number two, shows us the power of the gospel. And lastly, in the few moments we have left, biblical preaching shows us the preeminence of the gospel. Jesus would gather his disciples together in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 and declare that this gospel must be preached. Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age, teaching them all things, declaring unto them the gospel, the euangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ. It must be preached. It shall be preserved. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Hear me, church. This gospel Not the prosperity gospel, not the social gospel. In fact, if you put another adjective in front of what Jesus said was this gospel, it's another gospel. This gospel must be preached. It shall be preserved. This gospel, the true gospel. Thirdly, it deserves prominence. For I deliver to you in the first importance, Paul would say here. Eugene Peterson writes, the first thing I did was place before you what was placed so emphatically before me. It matters, and it takes preeminence over everything. It should be prominent in everything. The gospel should bubble up and ooze out and come through in all of our lives. Your job situation, your lockdown status, as it were, your student status, your neighborhood, your marriage, your children, your singleness, which of these doesn't belong to God to use for his pleasure? They're all his. This is good news, friend. This is not a distraction from bad things. Paul's not trying to divert their attention for a moment. He's trying to say, wait a minute, let's come back to the best news of all time. It's not a distraction. It's not a nice add-on to their already pleasant life. He was dealing with corruption. It's not a key to make your life better or to help your dreams come true. Galatians 1 and 1 Timothy 6 warn us about these other gospels out there. Please go read Galatians 1 and 1 Timothy 6 especially in light of all of the uh, hullabaloo around the coronavirus and false prophets and all that's being declared in this day and age. No, friend, I'm here to give you Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. This is the good news of God, the creator of the universe who made all things for his glory and pleasure. 
This is the news of man who rebelled against this all-powerful, all-knowing Creator as soon as he or she had the chance. This is the news of God pronouncing a sentence of death and judgment upon rebellious sinners that would scoff at His holiness. This is the good news that God loved the world that He made so much that He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment and pay the full price for all of humanity's sin and rebellion. This is the good news of Jesus dying on a cross for you, for me. This is the good news of Jesus no longer being dead, risen from the grave. The crucified King is also the resurrected King of power. Everything He claimed about Himself, everything that the prophets foretold was true. This is the good news of men and women and boys and girls who come to understand the gospel as the precious Holy Spirit of God helps them, helps me, helps you. See our need to repent of our rebellion and be made new by the power of God. This is the good news of God calling us into His family, the church, His bride to live out this new life together for His glory and His pleasure. It's like news of victory delivered to a general who was sure his troops were headed for defeat. It's like news of emancipation to a poor family who thought they would only know slavery and bondage their whole lives. It's like news of a complete turnaround to a patient on their deathbed with the family gathered around them. It's like news of clemency and pardon to a guilty man turning the last corner and seeing his executioner with instruments of justice in view. This is good news that refreshes the bones. This is good news that's like water to a thirsty soul. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. This is the gospel, the glorious gospel we preach. Verse 11, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so we believe. Father, take the gospel on the lips of your church and proclaim it to a world that is starving for hope and light. We ask you for this glorious gospel to be on display in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday, Grace Covenant Church. The Lord be with you.